Thank you, Mary, for that beautiful tribute. I'm sure Roger would have loved that. Um, when you came in, you should have, um, if you weren't with us in the creme, uh, you hopefully have picked up an order of service. Most of what we're going to be uh, doing today is going to be on the screen behind me. So, um, but if you um, have, want to find it in here, it's in the middle going through to the end. So the, the first bit is the, the committal service at the crematorium, and now we're on the, the second part. So just in case you were wondering why you've got a, this order of service with different bits in it. So... Uh, Hopefully, you'll be able to find your way around with that. So, welcome. We've, we've come here this morning again, once again, to say farewell to Roger. You know, we have just been at the crematorium, and obviously, we, we say farewell there in the, in the committal, you know, committing him to his Lord Jesus, who he loved and followed in his life. And, you know, we naturally bring our sorrow here as well, our grief here, the sense of loss. It's very much part of the human experience at such times. So it's, it's right and it's good that it's here, but I'd also say it's right and it's good to give thanks for a life that has been lived well, and therefore you were doing both. And they, this almost feels like a bit of a tension sometimes. You know, we've got a sense of thanksgiving and we've all got a sense of, obviously, the grief and the loss as well. Roger, again, a Christian man, uh, someone who sought to be informed and to, to lead his life in accordance with the scriptures. Um, we're going to start, I'm just going to read a few words of different scriptures uh, that are appropriate for today, and obviously remember Roger as well. The first one comes from a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, a prophet called Isaiah, who wrote these words. He says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace ever be removed. This says the Lord who has compassion on you. Words that are actually written uh, two and a half thousand years ago and probably a bit more now, but ring through uh, the church even right up to the present day. And also remembering Roger's love for the natural world. I remember when I visited him only just sadly once at the, the care home, even then he was able, the moment we started talking about birds and actually things like that, you could see, you know, he came alive a bit in that. And therefore here's a, a reading from a psalm. The Lord makes springs pour water into ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing amongst the branches. He waters the mountains. The earth is satisfied, is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for the man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains the heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There it is the birds that make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats, and the crags are the refuge of the conies. And lastly, words from the Apostle Paul from a letter to the Ephesians. Paul is a man who suffered many trials and tribulations in his life, but he said this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Loving God, we come to you in our need. You have given us birth, and now we face the mystery of death. Help us to discover you in the whole of life, its beginning and its ending. Help us to discover you in our pain as well as in our joy, in our doubts as well as in our believing, that we might find comfort in your word and light for our darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to sing our first hymn that has been chosen by the families, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. 
and if you're able to, please stand as we sing. be seated. Let us pray once more. Loving God, you have given us life with all its possibilities for growth, with all its opportunities for service. You have made us in your own image as men and women, responsible and creative, open to great visions and capable of great imagination. In Jesus Christ, you have shown us what we might be. When you raised him to life, you showed us that death is not the end for those who would put their trust in you. Thank you for this new life in Christ and for the hope of its future fullness. This day, we thank you especially for Roger's life, for all that he meant to us and all that we saw of you through him. And as we remember, help us to commit ourselves anew to you so that our thanksgiving for Roger this day might show itself in a readiness to be faithful to your goodwill in loving service and care for others. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now Sue's going to come and bring our, our reading. Thank you, Sue. This reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thank you, Sue. That short reading that Sue's just read to us comes from the Apostle Paul's letter uh, to the church in Philippi, hence the letter's called the letter to the Philippians. And it's where Paul is exhorting those who seek to follow Christ to emulate, copy something of him, his humanity, his humility. There's that verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Paul writes. He places a challenge before the church and therefore before us today, reminding them that if their faith is sincere, they should seek to walk their talk. They should seek to emulate Jesus' humble attitude towards all people so that something of his love and compassion and mercy might be shown in their own lives too. Now Jesus' short life ended over 2,000 years ago but throughout its history, the Christian church has not only proclaimed the gospel, as it were, with words, but has sought to uh, maintain a living witness to Jesus' life and ministry, expressed especially through care for the poor, care for the sick, care for the marginalised, the outcasts in society. The sort of people that society can so easily dismiss and consider worthless Jesus does not, and he calls his followers to do likewise. The Christian faith cannot just be about words, about belief. It should always be accompanied by action. Faith expressed in loving service to the world in Jesus' name. Jesus didn't just come all those years ago to tell us about a godly way we can live, but he came in the flesh. He came to show us by example and to lead by example. As Christians, we believe that the word of God became incarnate in Christ. And what we mean by that is the word of God took on flesh in the person of Jesus. That God himself was willing to take on the lowly form of created human flesh, stepping down into this world and revealing so much more of himself to us personally. Just going to reread a couple of those verses. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of the servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to death, even death on a cross. If God himself was willing to take on flesh and step down into this world to, ser to serve, how much more should we who are flesh and who seek to follow him also serve the world in his name too? As Christians, we should never lord it over one another. Rather, we should always recognise the humanity we share with one another and the image of God placed within every human soul. And seeing something of that divine reality, we serve and care for others. One of the most succinct and beautiful commands in the Old and the New Testament is the command to love God with all your heart, mind and strength, and to love your neighbour as yourself. Now, Roger made a personal decision to follow Jesus many years ago. His journey to faith that I can understand from Mary was a gradual one in a way, initially through a congregational church in Hounslow and later through Kingston United Reformed Church. But it was in the early 1990s when Roger and Mary uh, moved across to a more evangelical Bible-based church, which I think was Surbiton Community Church, if I got that note right, and they were both baptised there. And they both found a more personal living relationship with Jesus through that as their Lord and Saviour. A relationship which motivated them to get more involved in serving those around them. 
And it was at, around this exactly this time that Roger was approached by a man at the end of a Christian gathering in London, I gather, who said he had a word from the Lord for him. And that was that he believed that, he, that Roger was called to serve the homeless in his local community of Kingston. And it was out of that that Roger got involved with that new charity forming at that time in Kingston called Kingston Church's Action for Homelessness, a charity he continued to be involved with until he and Mary moved down to Guildford in about 2002. Now you'll notice on the orders of service that it's the family's wish that in order to remember Roger's faithful service over many years to the homeless in Kingston Borough, that a collection be made in his memory, which will be obviously forwarded on to the charity. It's a gift that you are very welcome to contribute to if you wish, sharing in some small way with the charitable work that meant so much to Roger. I can't say I knew Roger very well, but I can say I felt he was a man who, who felt strongly about living out his faith in humble service to his Lord. And that service was expressed for him in that Christ-like compassion he had for those living on the streets of Kingston. Now, Roger, too, has passed from this life. And we trust that he is safe in the presence of his Lord, his Lord and Redeemer, of whom the Apostle Paul wrote, that God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It is in the loving arms of this glorious God that we can leave Roger today. We come naturally with our sorrow, we come naturally with our grief, but might we also come with our gratitude and with our thanksgiving for a Christian life faithfully lived, a life of faith in Christ from which others have been the beneficiaries. I believe Roger would have us come here today and share in his confidence that having walked this humble path and following his servant king, he now will share in his glory too. Jesus Christ, who is always true to his word, said these words to Martha upon the death of her brother. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me will live, even though he die, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks her an interesting question. He says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. That answer could be on Roger's lips, I believe, as well. So with this text in mind, we're going to stand and we're going to sing once again a song which I'm told is one of Roger's favourites, for reasons that I now hope we might better understand. And that song is From Heaven You Came, Servant King. We'll stand to sing together.
So, Father, as we come here today, as we remember Roger and give thanks, Lord, we thank you that you are the servant king. Help us in our weakness, in our frailty, in our fickleness, to see you and follow you. In Jesus we ask. Amen. Amen. Do be seated. We have a number of tributes now. Uh, Chris is going to lead off, and then um, Simon O'Hagan and then Maria uh, O'Hagan are going to bring a tribute, and finally Carola Herring is going to bring a tribute on behalf of this church. So I'll just let you come up as you one finishes. Thank you. Dad was a loyal man who stuck faithfully by his commitments and words. Before computers were so widely used, he enjoyed helping people to use them and bought me my first 486 computer, if anyone remembers that back in those days. A friend once told me they appreciated and looked for Dad's nodding head when giving a talk in church. As Sue said earlier, Dad was a shy man who found it easier to express himself in the written form and was a great letter writer offering encouragement to friends and family. Dad always had a love of the natural world. He loved bird watching and listening to birdsong. He always had many types of bird seed and feeders for the different birds in the garden. He also showed a great concern for ecology and looking after the earth before it was so trendy, getting a solar panel fitted on the roof, buying eco light bulbs and so on. Being a child in the war, he had grown up with a careful concern for money and, inherit, and inherited a love of markets and getting bargains from both of his parents, a trait which I know I share. He taught us how to save money where possible and to spend wisely. Dad was always moved by stories of people in difficulty and gave generously to them through many different charities. He especially delighted to give us and other members of the family little extra amounts of money as a surprise gift. When I was diagnosed with ME in my early 30s, mum and dad welcomed me back into their home, supporting me physically, emotionally and financially until I was able to move out two and a half years later. When things then got tricky at work, they gave me money to buy a decent car which in turn led me to think more broadly about my career and to pursue my dream of becoming a music therapist. Dad was always very encouraging to me in this new pursuit and again offered financial assistance with which I could not have, without which I could not have continued. When I moved back in with mum and dad at the start of the pandemic for reasons of mutual support, I was grateful to be able to offer more informed help with dad especially when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's due to my newly acquired therapy training. He appreciated my cat, Ella, who would cheer him up by her silly antics. Dad sometimes gave us a fright by getting up to let her in, even when he was not so mobile himself. Dad always thanked us for coming to see him in the care home, even when he wasn't feeling so great, and the care home commented on how he was a polite gentleman. Dad's love of music sustained him through his life, and we were so pleased that this remained a way to communicate with him right up to the end. We are so glad that you are now free from pain, Dad, and in a wonderful place. So I'm just going to share some ways in which my grandpa Roger left an impression on me over the years that I spent with him. Uh, so my earliest recollections of grandpa are from when we would visit him and my granny Mary at their quaint homely abode in Surbiton. These visits were often accompanied by Sunday roasts and harmonious call songs from the radio in the kitchen. And I can distinctly remember my grandpa around the corner from the top of the staircase sitting at his desk, clicking away on the PC, demonstrating all of its features and at the same time his savviness for technology. 
But even before this memory, my grandpa was already building a portfolio showcasing his technological capabilities. And this exists in the form of all of the camcorder footage taken of me as a baby with him behind the camera. Uh, even at times when there wasn't really anything to show except the peaceful silences between me eating and crying. <laughs> in hindsight, I can appreciate that him wanting to capture even these seemingly uneventful moments lifted the veil on his more soft and sentimental side. As I grew into my teens, I learned about my grandpa's generosity and the time he had spent in NHS appointments donating his blood to those needing it more than he did. And this empowered me to follow in his footsteps and visit donation centres to give my own blood on several occasions. And this is something that I never would have thought to do if not for my grandpa. When I was growing up, Grandpa and Granny would often have me round to their house in Surbiton to stay the night. And since apparently I didn't understand the meaning of boundaries and privacy as a child, I would often invite myself into their bedroom in the early hours of the morning, figuring that they obviously couldn't do without my company at 6am on a weekend. <laughs> but this was never met with any form of frustration from either of my grandparents, and my grandpa would always be more than welcoming to me joining them on their bed. Maybe this is what subconsciously inspired me years later as an adult to gift him with a very thick and fluffy fleece blanket for Christmas as a way of me saying thank you to him. I was very glad to see how much use the blanket got even accompanying him to his care home earlier on this year. And lastly, I remember my grandpa as being a man compassionate in prayer, particularly between my time at university and as I entered the working world. He reminded me during several of our phone conversations together that he and my granny were lifting me up in their prayers every day. So now in this moment, I wish to lift my grandpa Roger up to God in prayer. Thank you for the man he was, for his humour, his character, his unwavering faith in you, God. And I thank you that he is now resting peacefully and free from all pain. And thank you for keeping him safe by your side in your eternal embrace. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to share a few memories that I had of Grandpa. Something Simon didn't mention that I found quite amusing was a few years ago, Grandpa decided that Simon seemed too old to refer to him as Grandpa. So for a while I had to resort to Roger. But I like to think that I was still kept young enough to refer to him as Grandpa um, in his final years. Um, some of my earliest memories of Grandpa were also when I would go for sleepovers with him and Granny. I remember always being especially excited if I came on a croissant or a pastry morning, or sometimes I would um, be fortunate to come to them to this church and um, to be included in that as well. Um, this would often be followed by a Sunday roast, during which we were usually reminded that most of the vegetables had been grown fresh from their garden, so we had to be sure to eat up as many as we could. <laughs> I also remember being in the car with Granny and Grandpa, and while we were driving the whole time, um, they kept telling me that there was a really special package in the back of the car. And the whole journey, I kept trying to guess and guess what the special package could be. And as we arrived, they told me the special package was me and that they were trying to drive carefully the whole time <laughs> to look after me in the car. <laughs> um, as has been said, Grandpa grew up in the Second World War um, and he was very open and honest about describing his um, experiences with that. I remember as I was learning about the World Wars when I was at school and I was talking to Granny about um, yeah, her information on the war and Grandpa turned around from the corner and said, why on earth is she asking you? I'm the expert. <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell me all about his experiences as well. Grandpa was always so encouraging and complimentary of mine and Simon's musical gifts. He was always keen to hear us play and to know what music we had been learning. He loved listening to live music and he was so grateful whenever we would play to him. 
I remember when we were in the hospital with him in his final days and the nurses said that he would still listen to music and they could see him tapping his fingers along with it um, even when he wasn't able to do lots else. Um, my mum and I prayed for him the last time we saw him in the care home that he would feel God's peace and as he died we think he did so with little pain and peacefully. As Simon said, Granny and Grandpa would often tell me that they were praying for me and they watched my baptism online last year, which was really special of them to be able to watch that online. And they've been great encouragers in my faith journey. And I also want to thank God for the blessing that he was to our family. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I am here today to speak about Roger on behalf of Milford Baptist Church. He was a much valued, respected and long-serving member of our congregation here. And what a lovely, gentle soul Roger appeared to be. Always quiet, thoughtful, restrained, softly spoken, which is quite a rare quality um, nowadays in this modern world of ours. There is actually plenty of biblical guidance on this area of life. We're told that we need to be slow to anger and, and not swift to speak or to judge. We're also told that our tongues, although small, are like rudders for a ship. Although they may appear somewhat insignificant, they have the power to steer great ships. The Bible also suggests that this very tongue of ours has the power to set fire to things and that salt and sweet words should not come out of the same mouth or source. I have a feeling that Roger may well have been the personification or epitome of these qualities, and I, for one, would do well to learn to emulate from and emulate this particular guidance in the Bible. I often blurt out exactly what I think, to which I'm sure my beloved husband would testify. <laughs> Roger always appeared to be dressed impeccably, in church and out as well, much like an English gentleman. I don't think that I ever saw him in jeans or trainers, and I really respected him for that, I must confess. I don't know if he chose his clothes himself or whether Mary was his wardrobe mistress, but whoever it was, they did a great job. Roger and Mary were part of the Withers Home Group, of which I was privileged to be a member. Sadly, the group disbanded during COVID, which was a big change for all those involved, but completely understandable. Roger was always very measured in what he said in the group, quite shy to speak, but what he said was always well worth listening to. I believe he was a very humble man, again, very biblical, and something that, again, doesn't come naturally to the average person. Roger loved his music, I know. He and Mary often went away to, um, to musical weekends in various areas of the country, and they also travelled extensively as a couple, I seem to remember saga cruises and a visit to Montenegro, uh, down the Rhine. Um, uh, I, I may be mistaken as to exactly where they travelled, of course. I also recall thinking that when I was grown up, that's exactly what I'd like to do at some stage with my husband. <laughs> but whether or not he will decide to accompany is an entirely different matter. <laughs> I know that Roger and Mary owned a house in France until recently one that they visited often in the past, and that when it came to selling it, they encountered rather a lot of administrative issues, French bureaucracy, and those employed by the state. I think they call them rond de queer, which means leather bottoms, on which they spent, because they spent so much time sitting on their backsides pontificating. Roger seemed to be endlessly patient with them, all the legal shenanigans and the delays. Again, another very admirable equality of his, I feel. In the last few months, Roger's health slowly deteriorated. I know that Mary did her best to look after at home, him at home, as did her daughters, but it was he himself who apparently suggested to Mary that it was time that he was cared for elsewhere. Very thoughtful of him, and I hope that it made things a bit easier for Mary and also for his daughters. In short, Roger was a lovely man, and we hope that Mary and his daughters, Chrissy and Sue, will take some comfort from the fact that they will see their father again. This is not the end, in the hereafter. And also that they can rest assured that the congregation of Milford Baptist Church will be praying for the family during this time. God bless the family and God bless Roger. 
I so hope that he will be having a wonderful time up there in heaven, introducing himself to all the great music composers of the past years, and perhaps listening to their works played firsthand and to celestial choirs, if that is indeed what we believe happens in heaven. Oh, what a lovely thought. Roger, we will miss you. So thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Maria. And thank you, Carola. It's lovely to hear the different perspectives, isn't it? You know, people, we view people's lives from different perspectives as to how this works. And obviously, it's lovely if it's such a time to hear some of those different perspectives. After this service is finished, there's an opportunity for people like refreshments out back here. You do stay and continue to share your perspective of Roger for the family and obviously for friends. So uh, thank you all very much. We're going to sing once again. We're going to sing the hymn, In Christ Alone My Hope Is Found. seated once again. And now we're going to have our second scripture reading, but it's going to be brought by uh, Roger's cousin, Francis Haley. Haley, I'm sorry.
I was delighted and very privileged to feel that the family had asked me to do a reading at this service. Roger, in fact, was more like a big brother to me in many ways, and it's lovely to be able to share God's word. It is from John chapter 14, first six verses. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is God's word. I was aware as we were singing the last song, it is very easy, I think, sometimes when we're giving thanks for someone's life, um, to almost make them sound like a perfect person. You know, and, and you follow me in the sense of, you know, we, we, we obviously give thanks to someone. But I want to just remind us all, you know, especially those who maybe feel like they're wavering in their, their, their how do they follow Jesus. It isn't about how good we are. It's about how good he is. And even if we feel, frankly, pretty inadequate and unable, all God says to us in Christ is, is follow me. You know, and, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll lead you on this path. He, do, he doesn't say, you know, you're good enough to follow me or do all these good things first and come follow me. He says, no, just follow me, trust me, follow me. So it's worth, I just wanted to set that. We don't, there's one perfect person in the flesh and that was Jesus Christ. The rest of us are people having a go and trusting in our Lord. So let us pray. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Loving God, we long for peace, the peace to leave Roger with you, the peace to strengthen us for today and tomorrow, peace with ourselves and peace with one another. Deliver us from fear and doubt. Deliver us from despair and unbelief. And bring us to the light of your presence. Granting us that peace which the world cannot give. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing our last song. Great is thy faithfulness.
Amen. Do be seated. We're now going to have, um, I've called it on the uh, order of service, a reflective moment. But it's, uh, it'll be on the screen in front of us. Father God, we thank you that we can come here this morning. We come, Lord, as I said at the beginning, with our sorrow and our grief. But Lord, help us lead, leave with your peace. We do once more just thank you for Roger's life. We thank you for his family. We thank you for his friends. And we thank you for those who have benefited in different ways from his life, faithfully lived seeking to follow you as Lord. 
So, Lord, as you gather him to yourself, gather us, we pray, that we may walk with you in faith, that as we look at Roger's life, we may seek, thank, give thanks for the, that what we see of you in, through his life, and in our own lives, may we seek likewise to follow faithfully. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I think I've already mentioned that we're going to have um, light refreshments out the, the back there. You're very welcome to stay and to continue to share your memories, obviously, of Roger, and I'm sure the family would appreciate that. And so God bless you all, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you.